When I was 21 years old, I was going to the University of Iowa. I was a bartender there, and one night this rumor started going around, going around to everybody, hey, did you hear about the guy from Augie's? Which was like this little uh, townie bar that was actually on campus. Here's the story, he got busted selling meth over the bar. And if anyone will come with $9,000 and bail him out, he'll sign it over. Seemed all right at like midnight, we are like, yeah, I bet he would. About 2 a.m., it was like, you think maybe that guy would really do that? <laughs> About four in the morning, me and two of my buddies are sitting there like, think we could scrape nine together? <laughs> four hours later, we own this motherfucker. Now we own a bar. And um, yeah, it was nice, it was exciting. I was president of the biggest fraternity on campus and owned a bar, it was a, it was a good run. The, uh, <laughs> To the Blackout Diaries, a show where stand-up comics plus everyday people tell true drinking stories. I'm your host, John Bear Flannery. <clears throat> and I'm CJ Sullivan, and each week here on the Blackout Diaries, we have a different theme when it comes to drinking and debauchery. And this week's theme is gay bars. Gay More bars, specifically, yes. Yeah, yep, yep. More specifically, uh, drinking dive gay bars. Not your, um, uh, I always think a police academy. When they do the joke <laughs> yeah. gay bar, you know, when, when you go into the ROM bar, like, dun, 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 yeah. and then they're always doing a tango, you know, in the, yeah. in the leather chaps or whatever. <laughs> that was the big punchline back then. <laughs> and that was still, when I moved to Chicago, it's funny because uh, it's almost like you and I uh, were in Chicago almost during the salad years of gay bars, I feel, uh -huh. for heterosexual men at least. Yeah. In, in, in the sense that. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, this on the podcast. Uh, gay bars have been declining. In po uh, there aren't as many as there was okay. 15 years ago. Um, but my that was my buddies from home, like Cleveland. That was their image of gay bars when I would talk about like, oh, yeah, I just had a beer yeah. and watch a Browns game at a gay bar. They're like, what? You know, like, how could you have done that? I'm like, right. they're just old <laughs> yeah. man dive bars just like any other everything else. Especially in Chicago. Well, and, and we lived on the north side, and obviously uh, a lot mm -hmm. and all our comedy shows were on the north side. And then Wrigleyville and Boys Town is right around there. It's very adjacent to it. So a lot mm -hmm. of it comes into it. And like, so, you know, you go bar hop and you're basically in those bars. And you would, in Chicago, it seemed like you would never even know it was a gay bar until you like saw like a tiny rainbow flag behind the TV yes. of the Bears, of the Bears mm -hmm. game or a Cubs game going on. Oh, mm -hmm. what's going oh, a gay bar. You know, because it's, it's just, it's just old men drinking anyway. You know, there's no real difference. <laughs> the only way you could, if you were a really seasoned drinker, the one way mm -hmm. you could tell, I feel. Uh, you, uh, you and I both used to like this uh, since-closed gay bar on Broadway that I think was called Reflections. I Reflections, believe. yes. It's next to the Laugh. Well, now it's called Brendan's, and next mm -hmm. right, very right, right to the Laugh Factory, which used to be the Belmont Theater. 
mm-hmm. when, we did, when we did shows there. Correct. Uh, um, and that's when it was Reflections. And it was amazing. It was very small, um, almost about the size of like uh, like a, like two studio apartments put together. And you could tell mm-hmm. sometimes you were in a gay bar when you would – if you ordered – a drink, like let's just say you ordered like a whiskey and coke or a gin and tonic, they yep. would only put a splash sure. of mixer in it, and you're like, no heterosexual bar yeah. in the world would make a drink this strong, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it was complete. Yeah, it was. It was like deathly strong. Uh, it had a fish tank behind the bar. I remember. That. Yes, it was a wall. Like that was like um, that was like their theme for reflections. Like again, yeah, this tiny little. Uh, like gay thing, and then we when I didn't find out till the next bar owner that they had that basement where it was a completely separate room you could go down there. I guess that was. Oh their, yes, their, I forgot <laughs> about that. That was like their gay speakeasy, I guess. <laughs> well, you like, know you're at a dive bar when it has a completely separate level that none of the regulars even know about. Like, like you've just never had right. enough customers even know to even need to show off that second level. I totally forgot it had that extra <laughs> level. Yeah, it was awesome when I found out. And back in the, in the you used to be able to go to the uh, club through that alley back there. There was, there was all kinds of uh, definitely loopholes. But some of the gay bar, that was, Reflections is a name you could, all right, if you, that, that, that's like that Kaiser Sose moment. You see the, you see the fish tank, you have the strong drink, you see a little rainbow thing, Reflections. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. You know, you're yeah. starting to, you're starting you to put it, it together. together. Yeah. I think this is a gay bar. Other yeah. bars. In Chicago, in the man, in the, in the uh, Boys Town neighborhood, left nothing to uh, confusion. Like the manhole with, with the names of the bars. <laughs> the manhole I always think of as the famous gay bar there, which is like, I mean, you have to give it to them for how hilariously over the top they were. They were the amazing. Like I, titles. I lived right next to that bar, and I loved how much fun they had <laughs> with that yeah. concept and everything. You know, mm-hmm. they would have a billboard up there, and they would just put like funny little phrases, and they would kind of make a little sense but usually not or kind of be seasonal like i remember my favorite one right. was um it was like in early march and it said uh spring is in the air and so is my manhole <laughs> 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 yeah i mean they would have names like jackhammer you yeah. know spin. <laughs> it's just like just absolutely like over the top <laughs> it's great um one bar that just closed down. You're talking about how there's no gay bars uh, anymore, or they're they're getting less and less. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. but uh, one famous one in Chicago just can't got shut down. Berlin, and we used to That's go. True. A lot of people used to go to. We used to go to Berlin because it was a late night bar. It was a late night bar up there on the North Side, but it was one of the best late night ones. It was really was like this really. It was awesome, like, and it was like so alive. There. Yeah, and there would always be like yeah. dancers, and I don't even know if they were staff or, but they you know sure. they had yeah, these elaborate a six outfits. Foot eight drag queens, yeah. a businessman. Like I mean, it would be everyone. You know what I mean? It was, it was pretty wild. It was yeah, it was, it was almost. Wild. Like but a, it was, like a, but a postmodern Casablanca. Vibe. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, right. Like everyone was drunk, but like no one was like drunk. Like you know, it's almost the way they talk about like the Playboy match in the seventies. You know, like, <laughs> everyone had drinks, but no one was drunk in specific because everyone like policed themselves. I guess. I think but everyone they, was just on so much coke that they were yeah, able well. to overcome the alcohol. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> so when it closed down, it was uh, kind of shocking. I'm like, oh wow, that's kind of an institution. It's been over forty years, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but they, they claim. As you were saying, you were showing me earlier that it was a, it was a debate between the staff and ownership. And yeah, the union, it, it was and a big story demands. here in Chicago. And, and 
uh, they said it was a, it was a mixture of different things that forced them to close and COVID and just getting older and so on. But a contributing factor, or so they claimed, is the Berlin staff wants to unionize. And as part of a, you yeah. know, they gave their unionization um, demands. <laughs> the demands, everyone, even pro-union supporters in Chicago are like, these demands are fucking crazy. <laughs> like, I think like the, <laughs> the owners of Berlin were like, we're so old. Right. Like we, how do we even negotiate with this? Like, like, like we don't even understand mm-hmm. people for it because, the, and then, so then they're just like, you know what? We're closing. And then everyone gets mad at the union and like, hey, isn't this how negotiations work? You, you ask for a crazy thing. Huh? Huh? And then they counter right. offer. And then we meet in the middle. I can't imagine yeah. this, the, the, the staff in Berlin getting together for their list of demands. <laughs> Must have been fucking amazing. You, you, you combine, you know, the new Gen Z or millennial whatever generation with mm-hmm. a wait staff at Berlin. <laughs> and this is what you come up with, Sean. Here's some of the uh, – this, now this is according to the Berlin's website. This is from their side saying, listen, this is why we could not continue moving on. The proposals they offered us were this. No, no this is the actual just, – just to be clear, this is the actual union's website. So this is them saying what they want. This is oh, okay. uh, th- this is them ver- their verboten. This is what we want. Go ahead. Verboten. All workers <laughs> that work one day a week, which is less than seven and a half hours, will be considered full time employees. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine your lawyer just getting to point one and be like, "Wait, what? Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Is this a rough draft? Like, who who right. delivered this?" <laughs> Popping this, <laughs> popping in on a Tuesday. That's it. Just coming in for my full time benefits, because that's also <laughs> one day a week. You would, they wanted it full benefits, which is health care, pension, vacation pay, and sick pay. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm always pro employee, but I mean, <laughs> like you said, I'm, I pay for health care now with job. Doesn't matter. <laughs> they want one, one, one shift as a shot guy. Uh, on Wednesday, Berlin's. <laughs> they want two weeks paid vacation. Um, I mean, you almost want to be like, do you understand? You live in America, like in a capitalistic <laughs> society. Right. Like, do you, like, do you understand? Like, I, I wonder if no, none of the people here have ever worked a real job, and they think yeah. this is what goes on in the business world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, I would get that. Yeah, can I get it free? Why can't it? Isn't, 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 you get the job, then you get it, and it just comes to you. <laughs> work one day a week. Now, this is all for, I like this. This is all workers that work one day a week. <laughs> Full paid health care, which would cost $969 a month. <laughs> Pension, $635 a month. This is all for one work. These, now, these are the raises they ask for. Yes. $13 an hour raise for bartenders that currently make an average of 57 an hour. So they yeah, so their bartenders would make 70 an hour, which is 140 grand a year. Now, I wonder which, if I don't know that that sounds although that's just their hourly rate, then they make tips on top of that. So that Well, um, I yeah. imagine if, if they say an average of 57 an hour, they're talking about tips as well. And there's, oh, okay. there, no, right. there's no way they're getting paid that as a rate and plus tips. Yeah, that's But good as point. we as we say, uh, you know, there's no better tipping industry than the gay bar industry. Yes. I mean, you got people um like we said, with disposable income and, and part of the staff, and they know it. Uh, the barbacks currently make forty-seven an hour. They want a thirteen-hour dollar raise. Coat, coat check, check workers, <laughs> yeah. I didn't think coat check existed so far anymore. <laughs> 
I, well, I actually, I, I'm I, not convinced yeah. it ever existed. I think it's just in mob movies, you know, so that you can go like, Coach hey, or take it, Han, you know? <laughs> well, I know. Well, it's, it, well, well that's, that's showing, you're showing your colors there that you don't, you, you've never been to a late night gay club. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't Chicago. think I go to the kind of places where you staff it with a coat check. <laughs> right. You gotta, there's no stools they're putting their winter triple their coats over. They're, yeah, that's true. They're handing it out and then they're going in their uh, whatever their dance outfits are. Um, security workers, ten dollar raise from average of twenty two fifty. Now that sounds that seems more reasonable than anyone else. I don't know how you. I mean, I guess Berlin is probably if in the security industry, an easier gig maybe. Like, but I would not want to be a bouncer at a bar in Chicago on a Saturday night for only no, bucks not an at hour. all. That's what I'm saying. Security is what I would definitely give the raise to. Coach, coat check doesn't need fifty dollars an hour <laughs> for crying out loud. <laughs> Now I bet you do get a lot of fin- uh, you know fin- very fancy jack very very creative dance you know jackets that they that they make themselves that they they give very specific instructions of you know how to hold it and how to hang it up and uh, it's like almost that, like being so. in a, like a wardrobe department on on a movie set or something like that perhaps you know, right. perhaps, you know. <laughs> maybe they should get paid the most so do I know <laughs> but what I do. It. Yeah. So what I do love is like, so they got all these absurd demands from the union and uh-huh. the owners of Berlin just, as you said, just said, you know what? Fuck it. We're shutting it down. <laughs> <laughs> That's our next move. You I do love that. <laughs> I do love that. I'm a, like they look at each other in the eye. Like, what do we got? Five, ten more years left on this earth? I know. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I like the right, <laughs> and I like the uh, yeah the writings on the wall. I bet I mean I'm sure I'm sure the rent went up too. I'm sure mm-hmm. the commercial real estate. That's what it usually is. But it is fun to put these people on blast and shame them. I like the union guy having to come back though, back to their workers. Okay, what do they say? What do they say? <laughs> well. <laughs> Are we getting a raise? We're not getting a raises. We're not getting the benefits. As a matter of fact, nobody's got anything. And uh, <laughs> they didn't say no to the raise per se. Right. They said they no to the business. Yeah. <laughs> like a different model. Yeah, just completely. It's, it's all shut down. Where <laughs> lives are going to be changed. <laughs> Well, that's too bad. We're uh, we're very sad um, to hear about Berlin. It was uh, beloved by everybody. Uh, yeah, it was. It really was. It really was a great place. It was amazing, but I'm very, very Chicago. Uh, so that is too yeah. bad. So I don't know. Hopefully, I think you know, CJ. If we somehow come into a lot of money, mm-hmm. I want to hire this union on their demands and open up that <laughs> bar and just see what that bar looks like <laughs> as an experience. All right. Well, if I hit that Powerball tonight, that's exactly what we're going to go to. <laughs> uh, without for so uh, that being said, uh, I know obviously it's a little um, maybe off-putting. Uh, me and you, Sean, two guy, two straight guys talking about gay bars for a theme. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, of course, we have to put a drinking spin to it. So I think, but you know, because uh, it's always the angle of the, you know. Of women going to uh, you know gay bars and gays mm-hmm. and they said they don't even like it because you know obviously they want to go someplace safe. So rare, um, I think this is the I think this is the unheralded you know unspoken narrative that needs to be told. The straight guys who just want to get some good old fashioned drinking done at a gay bar without any yeah. uh, you know girls. I'm, I'm, you with I'm more compatible with a lot of gay bars than I am. 
on paper heterosexual bar. Like I can't walk into a modern sports bar. Like the sensory <laughs> overload you get yeah, with TVs right. is, is insane. Like I feel like I'm I, I don't even know what to like. I feel like I'm walking in to like almost like. Like the 1980s stock market, or like where they land planes at LaGuardia, or everything. Just like the overpowering yeah. panic coming out of just, every TV. Like, is the giant season over? Right, is Alabama right. ever? You're like, what the fuck? You know, I just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a wall of sound and braves of fucking just absolute forced debating going on. Um, but anyway, we're going to put art into it. We have a. Uh, Long-time uh, friend of the show, uh, 80s clown, Mr. John Ledley, who's the one, of the bur- one of the birthers of this uh, Blackout Diaries, and he's going to tell a story how he uh, opened up an accidental gay bar in <laughs> Iowa when he was uh, in his early 20s, <laughs> and why it's one of the best business moves one can make. So without further ado, let's go back to time with the great John Ledley. Oh, good. So, uh, just so you know how this show works, real quick. You have to pitch your stories to Flannery. And then he's like, oh, that's all right. Or, no, you can't tell that. That's offensive to the crowd. So, just so you know, when I was pitching drinking stories to him, no, none of these are good. These are all offensive. Now, you've heard stalking suicide stories. You've heard monkey stories. you heard bloody virginity stories. But my regular Tuesday night, not a fucking chance. So I'm going to tell you a story real quick. Uh, when I was 21 years old, I was going to the University of Iowa. And I was yes, Hawkeyes, bitches. Um, I was a bartender there. And one night this rumor started going around, going around to everybody, hey, did you hear about the guy from Augie's? Which was like this little uh, townie bar that was actually on campus. Here's the story. He got busted selling meth over the bar. And if anyone will come with $9,000 and bail him out, he'll sign it over. Seemed all right at like midnight, we are like, yeah, I bet he would. About 2 a.m., it was like, you think maybe that guy would really do that? <laughs> About four in the morning, me and two of my buddies are sitting there like, think we could scrape nine together? <laughs> four hours later, we own this motherfucker. So he skips town, now we own a bar. And, um, yeah, it was nice. It was exciting. I was president of the biggest fraternity on campus and owned a bar. It was a, it was a good run. The, uh, so I just figured out, you know, we're not making all that money, all that much money. And, um, you know, I was thinking the way to go is, is frat money. But at University of Iowa, they had to pay for everything with a voucher through the university. So you had to come up with a way to get their money. And I came up with the three most brilliant fucking words ever. Room rental fee. <laughs> so we're charging people $5,000, $7,000 to rent the bar for the night. And the room rental fee. And one of these nights, um, we're having a huge party there. And the police show up. And they start to walk through the bar. And they start carding people. And everyone's like deer in headlights. And of 107 people in the bar that night, 100 even came up underage. <laughs> now, see, I already knew the police officer that was going through. We'd, we'd uh, 
We'd met a couple times. I had this, <laughs> I had this stupid uh, discharging firearms within city limits thing that happened. And, uh, so he walked in, he's like, Mr. Ledley, Officer Mavis, how are you? He's like, I, kn I knew I was going to fucking get you. And I was like, I knew you were going to. And um, so he uh, so he says, I'm going to do you a favor. And I said, what's that? He said, you can go ahead and fire your door guy. Because frankly, this is way too many tickets to write tonight. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send one of my guys, and he's going to car everyone coming into your bar from here on out. And we knew we were fucked. <laughs> so we go the next day. We're, we're trying to figure out, wow, we're already out of business after one year. And we're getting our hair cut at our friend Ricky's, uh, Ricky's wife's hair cuttery beauty shop, maybe. I think it was more of a beauty parlor. Her two, uh, but her two business partners, a guy named Kelly and a guy named Johnny, nice gentlemen, they, uh, they were drag queens on the side. And while I'm getting my hair cut, the one guy says, you know what you should do with that little cute bar in the alley? You should make it a gay club, and I guarantee not one police officer will ever walk in there again. <laughs> and we were sitting there like, I don't know if that's a good idea. And at midnight, it wasn't a good idea. And at like two in the morning, we were like, you know what, maybe we should make this a fucking gay bar. <laughs> and at four in the morning, we were like, this motherfucker's gonna be a gay bar. <laughs> So he's gonna throw us a party and, and uh, he's gonna bring all his friends, so he does. And it's just a random weekday and we're charging cover and full price for drinks and I keep going around and I'm, I'm clearing out the register and putting all the money in my pockets and I'm picking up the money from the, from the cover and uh, I meet my business partner upstairs and I tell him, you know, I, you know, I've been pulling all the money out of the register tonight, I, dude, we're doing pretty good. And he's like, wait, you've been pulling money. I've been pulling money out of the register all night. And I was like, well, I've been getting all the cover. And he was like, you've been getting all the cover. I've been getting all the cover. And it was like this magical moment, like where you're just looking at someone and like, you just, the same words are about to come off your mouth. And we're just looking at each other and it was like, gay bar! We own a motherfucking gay bar! This is the best Thing ever. We got a gay bar. We got a gay bar. We're fucking rich. Now, I don't care if people fuck everywhere because it's a gay bar. So I got it, but we got to, you know, we get done throwing money in the air going crazy. All right. We got to handle this shit delicate when we get downstairs. Let's grab the microphones and, uh, We'll give a little speech. <laughs> so he takes it, and this is the exact speech I gave. Just, uh, you know, we're just a couple guys from, you know, in college, and we don't know that many people, and we didn't really know a whole lot of people that were gay. But, um... <laughs> You guys really, you guys really showed us something tonight. <laughs> Show that everybody needs a needs a place to go. <laughs> you know, I just feel this togetherness. <laughs> and I just really like to take the time to get to know each and every one of you guys over the next couple months, because tonight this 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 bar's not ours anymore. <laughs> It's yours. <laughs>
And I dropped the microphone, walked over to the bar, ripped like seven to 12 shots of JMO, because I was like, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with this still. So from that day on, our bar that used to be called Rush Hour was then called the Alley Cat. 13 South Lynn Street in Iowa City, Iowa. Oh, it was a, it was a thing, man. It's, it's actually still there. So the person that bought it from us expanded it to like seven locations, which we should have done. Didn't. So that was the third bar I ever owned, was, uh, was the Alley Cat in Iowa City, Iowa. And that's really all I got to say about it right now. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Flannery. And we're back at the Blackout Diaries. You just heard a story from the hilarious John Ledley, a huge part of the Blackout Diaries over the years. He is now joining CJ and us in the studio. Thank you, John. Absolutely. It's great to be here. John Ledley. <laughs> great to be here. Uh, also known as 80s Clown, but when I, yep. when I was going up. That's a, you've just, always been in my phone number as 80s Clown. Uh, and right. people, I'm finding yeah. out that I'm still in a lot of people's phone that way. Yeah, it's one of those things. Whatever you are, first impression, you never get a chance. That's what I mean by second impression. You never get a chance to leave a second impression. Right. It's it's. I think that's just for what your name is in a phone. That's I'm always going to be grease painted. Never have a chance to be renamed in a phone. But I found out recently that you don't like being called 80s clown. And Wait, or is that the true? Character it's, or the character itself. I know. Is this surprising, Sean? He was kind well, of let, Let's give some background to our listeners. John, do you want to yeah. explain 80s clown? Yeah, it's, it's really this simple. Um, we had a kid, and I could no longer go and do mics and stuff. Right. So I had to come up with something that I could just do. With zero practice, uh, zero writing, and and so basically it became a visual gimmick, and the more it bombed, the more people liked it. Right. And so I just kept doing the stuff that bombed. Yeah. Mike Burns is to blame better. for about 80 percent of this, by the way. He had zero partner. Right. Zero but partner. I mean, of of pushing the drive, the of encouragement, support, though, the encouragement, the support. Yeah. And making uh, making. Make, kind of straight up bullying you into doing this character for a while we were like yeah i don't like this like, well <laughs> what happened is i made a myspace just we were sitting around hanging out drinking and we made a myspace of this character okay yeah. and i get a message one night and it's from a fellow by the name of davod mm-hmm. who i knew at the time who did not put two and two together that it was me and invited me to come headline a show as the <laughs> that's such a peak in the fucking <laughs> so much of the mid this should this is what should be in Brido's book about Chicago comedy well, scene. Well, so I go to Brido's house on that day. Sight unseen MySpace account headline. Let's do it. Let's do it. Did you have video clips of you performing it or was it just no. a picture of there was, was no picture. there was no anything. There's no photo shoot. There was no I, it would never been on stage. I, now in Dave Odd's defense, I will say the 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 image, you looked great, you looked professional. Uh, explain what you were. You had you had a clown makeup face on, but it was like detailed, good clown makeup on. It wasn't like just your random like uh, birthday party clown. Like it right. was like, almost like a Pennywise type, uh, like from It clown. And but and but like a late leather jacket, like with like you know a Judas Priest or Growing Pain shirt, just eighties whatever yeah. retro bullshit, right? Yeah. The whole idea was he was. Uh, I had actually been watching one of those like I love the eighties shows, and okay. Vince Neil came on and started telling a story like how he didn't get grunge. Because he was like, you know, music in the 80s, it was all about partying and chicks. And like, yeah. now it's all about sadness. But 
Before it was all about partying and shit. Yeah. And then we walked around the house for like a week going, man, I remember the 80s was about clowning. <laughs> and that was stupid. That but was the, the premise. That was the birth. Right. That was the, That's how it uh, came about. Okay. But, but the premise was that he was a regional, basically like a, a regional teenage children's <laughs> show host. Yeah. And now 30 years later, <laughs> like or 20 years later, whatever it was. Trying to make a comeback. And See, this the, is great. I don't know why this character ever died. I don't know why. I don't know why you're embarrassed about this. This is but, amazing. But at the time, so also, if you remember, there was like Dustin Diamond was trying stand up, and the girl from yeah. Little House on the Prairie. So I would go on and watch the shows about them, and be like, "All right, the whole thing has to be about you remembering who this character is." <laughs> the only way it's funny, like once we did start to put it together, it's like right. the only way it's funny is if there's too many facts. And you can't follow any of them. Okay. <laughs> and so that's what it was. Just create a completely false life. Yeah. And what I, am I all? Uh, I was just gonna say, what are my all-time favorite, um, like, uh, just mistakes was when we were uh, all drinking in a bar. I don't even think you were with us, Ledley. You were not with us. We were drinking in a bar, and T.J. Miller drunk out of his mind, turns to birds, and he goes, I don't know if you've heard this story or not, yet. he goes, yeah. what's the deal with that buddy of yours? AIDS clown. <laughs> he thought you were AIDS clown for Which years. Which is not too far from the actual name. AIDS is very right. 80s, you know? It's the correct reference. All right. <laughs> AIDS clown's a good one, too. AIDS clown works. I just always thought for the other people in the bar, imagine overhearing that question. What's the oh, deal man. with your buddy AIDS clown? Yeah, who's this AIDS clown? <laughs> Keep your AIDS to yourself, clown. Um. Uh, but you always, like, John, uh, your whole life is just hilarious chaos. You, you've been a big part of the show since day one. You're a regular. Uh, you've gone on the road with us. And even I just see, like, uh, we're friends on Facebook. CJ, I don't know if you saw this. This was a hilarious post for the week before Christmas. He's like, would five adults like to show up to my house? We just found out my son has to record a video about green energy in front of adults. And then you send me a text because I'm, like, trying to work out if I can get over there. You just went to a bar and bought a round and everybody had to listen to your son, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like 745. <laughs> Excuse me. He's for his speech class. He's got a speech uh -huh. that's due at midnight. Okay. He doesn't tell us till seven forty-five on Saturday night. <laughs> we're in, we're in pajamas. We're wrapping presents. Yeah, we're in for the night. Right. Like I need six people over the age of sixteen to listen to me give a speech about solar energy, and we got to film it and prove that they were really there. So we start four hours. So over the age of the speech was done. We just needed the people. So after like an hour of texting people, Kate and I just looked at each other like, where do we know the most people? Yeah, a bar. And a clipper. Let's walk. So we walk down there. <laughs> There's absolutely zero people in there that we know except for the right. bartender. It's all Christmas parties. And he was like, you know what? Fuck them. Bring them here. Make them do it in the bar to all these people. I'll turn the music off. And so we're like, you know, what? that's a good idea. Maybe he'll learn. But I, I didn't think he could take the online criticism after I turned it into content. <laughs> so How we long was the speech? Five minutes. Okay, all right. So we walk and down you... the street and look inside, and we see all the people from Jerry's sitting mm -hmm. at the uh, Lincoln Square tap room. And I walked in, and I was like, this is not a pyramid scheme. 
everybody just listen. <laughs> You're like, uh, <laughs> I need five minutes of everyone's time. And Can I'll I buy ask you, you a, a simple drink. question? Right. Yeah. Or, or like, it's a step above like the guy who comes on the train, you know, who's going to ask for yeah. money on a train. But all right, I want everyone's attention. I am not begging for money. I just said, I want, and it's all I want is three minutes of your attention right now, and I will move through anything helps. Thank you very much. Like you don't have to learn anything about solar energy. I just need you in the basement. You have to come to my house, though. And we live like two blocks away. So we walked in, and there's a couple people that we didn't know. And the All one right. guy's like, hey, man, I just heard this. Is it cool if I come with? Like, abso- <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> that's a Christmas miracle. That's, I know. That's I love car- it. That's he the way ha- caroling should be. He you passed know? the class. He kept his scholarship. What do you and I would, as, as a local bar fly, I would actually feel better about myself. I'm like, you know, it wasn't just a night of degeneracy. I helped the kid pass a class, you know. Right. Yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> People were visiting oh. from out of town. The one guy that came over was like, dude, I'm not even from Chicago. I'm just waiting for a friend to get off work, and he told me to come here. <laughs> well, now you got friends, pal. That's amazing. Oh, well, my ladies, God. Uh, let's talk about the story itself that we just heard here, um, which is also a great story. Sean Law, remember? Sean would, Sean would tell the story more than you would, I remember. I would, yeah. You I told a lot of people it. this story. I always loved uh, a couple of your stories I, I retell, but yeah, I, yeah, I love this story. This is a great one, of course. You went to the University of Iowa, you wound up buying a bar, and it accidentally turned into a gay bar, which became a cash cow, which it makes sense because in that town, there's nowhere for them to go. You know, yeah, right? And, and so it was, you 19, were a it was safe 1999. Favorite. Right. I mean, we'll, we'll say how old it was, uh, but really, at that time, there was not uh, not only anywhere to go, but like really no representation on TV. It was like it was like Will and Grace, and you had Big JL <laughs> on South Park, right. yeah. And that's all anybody would regurgitate in there. Certainly not gays that look like Iowans. You know, not Iowan gays for sure. Lots of farm boys. <laughs> How much did you lean in? So, so the first night you realized so it was an accidental thing with the birthday and the flyer. They just and then word spread, and then uh, right. it was great. Which, by the way, now obviously you've know, been in the bar business your entire uh, adult life, basically. Now, um, it's you've you've come to learn obviously, and, and the gay community is amazing in the bar business. First of all, I mean they're. Great tipping. They're out Sunday nights. You know, I mean, everything, anything you could ask for. They're, they're. That's the business you want it's, to be. It's in. like men without any of the downsides of men. You know, as a bar <laughs> customer. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and then yeah, and less that, aggression, like yeah. uh, violence, and uh, and disposable income. Right. Nobody ripped a urinal <laughs> off the wall. Right. The entire time, which was something that was a very regular occurrence prior to that. Ripping <laughs> the urinal off the wall. When it was just a college bar before that, people would rip the yeah. fucking urinal off the wall all the time. <laughs> you just go in there and it's on the I, ground. You know what? Like, see, uh, like us, you know Galway Bay, and Galway Bay was always having its toilet knocked off. And uh, like, mm-hmm. I, I do wonder how. Like, I just always assumed it's accidental, but I don't know. Like, when it's happening that regularly, is it? Like, how do you think the urinal got knocked off so often? Do you think people sat on it? I think people. Just went up and tried to rip it off the wall. Yeah, of course. We were yeah, doing 50 absolutely. cent pitcher nights absolutely. on Wednesdays. What else? Yeah. Where people would throw up in the pitcher and bring it back and be like, rinse this and fill it. Yeah, be- because it's there, Sean. Yeah. What do you mean, why? Right. How? Accidental. And, pe- and people got mad because we, we, uh, we glued the sand down mm-hmm. on top of the urinals because it was like 
too many people are locking the door for too long yeah. to the bathroom. So we put the sand down so you couldn't use the top of the urinal for all its uses. And people would get pissed and rip that oh. <laughs> after they dump it into the sand on right. top of it. That's hilarious. And then like they rip it right off the wall. It. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you do have like so many amazing uh, industry stories too. You used to, I, uh, I think we did this a couple times when we were at Newport Theater and like you were working behind the bar, but you would give our audience like advice on how to behave at a bar, which I always loved. And you were one of the first people where I learned about like the growing modern trend where young people close out their tab every single time they order a drink, which I think is ridiculous. Well, the ridiculous part is that you pay for each swipe and a percentage of mm -hmm. the sale. So what your cost in the business, you know, people are pissed. Well, now my beer's six bucks. Well, I'll run a tab. Yeah. Because yeah. that's where you're, you're well, cutting into profits every I think time it's, you do that. It's so cynical to be like, oh no, I, I feel when you open up a tab, it should be like a journey you're beginning. You don't know when it's going to end and you, you know, you don't know how many rounds it's going to last for and to be like, no, close, no, close. Like it, to know. me, it's just, it's so cynical. You're not allowing like uh, the night to turn in whatever direction it should. Well, it's a couple of things with that. I mean, one, you're like, well, I don't want to forget it. I know it'll get a lot. You, you have, you have, um, you know, PTSD I forget my cards things. all the time. People no, are always worried I'm about that what, until you do it. What's the mental processes yeah. of it? I know, absolutely. But you're right. You're shutting down a good time in your head. But it's also mm -hmm. it's what it is is just it, ultimately it's just denial. You know what I mean? It's like uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just basically saying, "Oh no, I'm going to be out of here after. I'm sure after this, it's just no more fun." Yeah, work it's in like the morning. I'm going to get a good night's right. sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Back See, that's the opposite, and I I think if if. Uh, people like I'm like the opposite of somebody uh, like like a sober person, obviously. But uh, I'm like, once you accept that you're not in control of it, you can have a lot of oh, fun. Oh, absolutely. That's yeah. a very Buddhist lifestyle way to the mentality of going about getting fucking hammered. But <laughs> that's not the American culture. We're all shame and guilt. And we try to and we deny the, deny ourselves our truth. Even when I smoked oh. cigarettes, I remember like like buying cartons would be like way cheaper than the way the individual packs were. But I'm like, oh, I, I'm not going to go through a cart. <laughs> straight up drug addiction, basically every day of my life. Like, of course, I'm going to go through it. I wouldn't even later, collect Marlboro. Yeah, I wouldn't even collect Marlboro miles. I'm like, I don't want to be, you know, oh. I don't want to hang around for that long for a Do reminder you know of that. Do you know what you randomly just reminded me of? The, one of the first times, I, I actually think in some ways John is responsible for you and I becoming good friends, CJ. Okay. Because, all right, correct me if any part of this story sounds wrong, but you were working at a crazy basement bar in Wrigleyville that had been sold in some sort of underhanded way where the deal was off if they couldn't drink all their alcohol in like 48 hours or something like that. Is this right, John? Uh, I think it was called like a, what the fuck was that bar called? The Dugout. <laughs> the, the Dugout. Deal. <laughs> it, was, it was called The Dugout. Yeah. Which yeah, appeared I remember on, this as well. Which appeared the on deal bar wasn't rescue. off, if I, I recall. That. What's that? It got through Bar Rescue? It went on Bar Rescue and they did not look good. Well, well, didn't <laughs> the owner not. used to, wasn't his move for picking up women, he would say he's dying of cancer? Like, wasn't that his go-to move, which I always <laughs> love dudes like that. Yeah, and then he'd come out with the like shiny thing and be like, this is my inner ear. And it'd be like... <laughs> <laughs> the computer image up, but like a real glossy. And yeah, I like I like you. Uh, <laughs> my last I, night. I, now it was now because that made your book this story, right, Sean? 
I think it got cut out of the book. I wrote oh, a okay. chapter on it, and it did not make the book. And my memory was you called Burns, and I don't know if you called me or Burns called me, but mm-hmm. like basically the owner was like, John, I want to sell this bar, but how are we ever going to get rid of this many, this much liquor in 24 hours? And you were like, I know a couple dudes that can really help. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like, like Liam Nelson and Taken or yeah. something. Like yeah, I've yeah, developed yeah, yeah. a skill I a, set. I got a special unit. <laughs> I got a special, the A team was called, the special unit. I called CJ just, I, I know, and just we the guys. Yeah. yeah, then it worked, then it spread and all comedies came. But it was like a week-long thing, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, I think it was. I think the law was, were they buying the bar or selling the bar? They were selling the bar. Okay, and they had to get rid of all that liquor. It was already sold. It wasn't open to the public. Right. And, yeah, and all that liquor had to go. Um, because I don't, I don't think it was uh, bought legally. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure something underhanded happened because I've never right. heard of that requirement in a deal before. <laughs> I mean, normally the new owner likes to have free inventory it unless it's going to like, land him in yeah. jail. <laughs> It sounds like a movie script that 22-year-old drunks would write. <laughs> like, okay, what if it was a bar and they, it has to go? Everything's got to go. Like this Brewster's millions of alcohol. <laughs> we know just the gag. That's right. That was you at the dugout. And just the crew to take care of this job. Oh, man. <laughs> what was the first bar job you ever had, John? Because it, it wasn't that gay bar that you guys opened, right? You were already kind of in the industry, weren't you? Yeah, so when I was a kid, I, I uh, caddied at Medina, and uh, I would work at the gun like club. Like that world-famous country club Medina? Oh, yeah. Yes, great golf course outside of Chicago. Many uh, U.S. Opens were there at Medina. Yeah, caddied for Arnold Palmer there. It's a cool Caddy for Arnold Palmer. It was a cool, How was that? cool place. It was great. He didn't tip me at the end, but it was, but it was Come great. Come on. Arnold Palmer didn't tip you? Arnie Palmer stiffed you? <laughs> we went on his jet. He made me go get the hole-in-one car up, 17. For this uh-huh. outing he was in, at 16 years old, drive him to Paul Walkie in the pouring rain while he just kept putting his hand across my chest, being like, slow down, get over, next lane, <laughs> let's go. And then we get there, and he's like, you ever been on a private jet? And I'm like, oh, shit, no, yeah, come on up. So I go on there, he's like, would you like a Coca-Cola? And I think this is when I'm going to get this giant tip. Yeah. And uh, he pats me on the shoulder and was like, you know, this was a great day for you. <laughs> like, what? and then he turns around and he goes you know what if you ever want to go to any pga tour event in the world just call me and then wrote his direct number on the back of the card i'm like yeah well that's better than any tip and i'll probably tell this story a million times in my life yeah absolutely yeah. although a tip still would have been nice right um walk in the show <laughs> but... to the caddy master and he goes oh man i'm the one who set you up with that so i'll take that he took your number? And just yoinked it right out of my hand. Get out of here. As soon as that's I walked in. Ins- that's fucking insane. Oh, I believe that easily. I mean, yeah. that's every, you know, caddy right. manager I've ever run into. They're, like, I, I honestly yeah, feel of all jerks. the groups I've met in my life, the most degenerates mm-hmm. were full-time middle-aged caddies and they yeah. were managers. Yeah. <clears throat> fun, fun fact, the, Ar- the Arnie Palmer drink, everyone knows, is iced tea and lemonade. His real Arnie Palmer drink was an imp and iron because he's from Pittsburgh. Which is a shot of imperial whiskey poured inside of an Iron City beer, yeah. but that didn't, oh really? That didn't oh mar- my god! But that but that didn't market as well. Well, he told me it was absolute <laughs> tonic, and that made me go get him too. <laughs> <laughs> well, he got he got older. Obviously, he but he was, old. Imperial. he was old. Yeah. Growing up, it was more of the imperial whiskey. He's a he's a yeah. He's a blue collar champ. He's a champion of the people, Arnie Palmer. 
So, but when I worked at Medina, they had a gun club in the back, a skeet and trap okay. uh, place. And I would go work there and you'd pull skeet and trap. And one day it snows, whatever, six or eight inches. My dad makes me go to work because you got to go to work no matter what. And I get there and the bartender doesn't show up. I think my dad drove me. I was like 15. And the guys, a bunch of members showed up and they're just looking around like, oh, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty too. I don't know what we're going to do. And finally, I was like, am I supposed to go back there? And they're like, yeah, we don't pay to make our own drinks here. <laughs> Fair enough. So it was almost like the Bart Simpson episode at the. Right. And so I had to go back there and get the book out and start making them drinks. And then every now and then they'd be like, you know what? You did a pretty good job. Go back there and make me a, you know, whatever. So that was the first time that I started bartending. And they would, t- and, and they would tip you with the Ar- they would tip you with Arnold Palmer's phone number. Here you go. <laughs> Call this guy anytime you want, any PGA tour event you want. <laughs> Before we let you go, I do want to know, uh, Ledley, uh, did you lean into any uh, back to your Iowa bar there? The gay, uh, the when it became when it, once it became a gay bar, how far did you lean into it? Would you guys have to? Would you ask the customers like for ideas for what they wanted? Like I don't you know. Yeah, watching friend, friends or whatever the hell it is. Like, because I, I, I can imagine that could get bad if straight guys come up with gay theme nights. Right. Well, basically, <laughs> what we do is we we grab like a little group of people and we're just honest. Like, I don't know, I don't want to be offensive. Yeah. I don't want right. to do something that's, you know, that's not the point of this place. Mm-hmm. And uh, people would come and say, "Hey, I think I'd like to paint a mural here." You'd be like, "All right," I'll, and they'd say, "I'll do it for free," and you'd be like, "No, I have to pay you." And that's kind of how the whole place got done is the community really rallied around it because there was no like official place. So it was always packed and uh, everybody on their best behavior. I mean, people would walk around. You only had to be 18 to get in a bar back then, Mm. but 21 to drink. So we never really had to have door people because the community policed itself on like taking drinks away from 18, 19 year olds because they didn't want the place shut down. So it was... You know, one less person on staff I had to pay, which was nice. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> what was uh, before you leave? What was um, of all the places you you've worked at? What was uh, like the craziest bar you've worked at? Uh, probably High Tops in Wrigleyville during. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about High Tops. Yes. Mm-hmm. That, that was, was like, a two-story giant bar in Wrigleyville, yes. And that was during the, uh, like, Sammy Sosa sure. heyday. Like, tail end, you know, early 2000s, but still Sammy mm-hmm. Sosa time. Didn't you no start an time. open mic there? It was weird having an open mic at that bar. Didn't you start an open mic on the top floor? Was that you? Well, I, I, I bartended it, and then Brido, Burns, and Jared ran it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just and I've always loved that. the idea of Wrigleyville open mics, you know, because yeah, like terrible. everyone's still drink like they're like, oh, well, the game ended at, at uh, 3 p.m. and the open mics at 8 p.m. So we're not yeah. going to have any intersection right. whatsoever. It's <laughs> like, OK, well, you haven't met Cubs fans. There's yet. still yeah, 70 people up here in this 50 person <laughs> <Right>. room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that place was nuts because it was uh, a lot of Chicago celebrities. And at the time, mm-hmm. that place did half the revenue of Cubby Bear, but was only yeah, a third right. of the size. Yeah. So there'd be a line like three blocks fucking long to get in there after every game. And every Wednesday, you worked a day game. You were there till two in the morning. Mm-hmm. It didn't, <laughs> right. didn't matter. It's a noon game, bar's still full, too. 
<laughs> till two. So the money was incredible. It was stupid. Right. At a certain point, me and the guy, this guy Jack, used to work in the back. They'd put a bottle of Jameson in the back, and that was just for us to get through the shift. And we'd finish <laughs> it every time. And by the time you'd get done, you'd go upstairs with like your five buckets of money, dump yeah. them on a table, and we might just be like, stick your hands down the middle and be like, all right, how's that look? I, I can't count. You can't count. Right. It all even out in the end. And then you just bag it all up and go home. Or really, you'd go to That's VIPs. Because they gave us half off. That's awesome. So that was our, uh, that was our four o'clock bar when we worked there. Is you'd get done and you'd go straight to the strip club. And yeah. sit down and get 50% off drinks. And that was a wild couple of years. So I would say. <laughs> R.I.P. to High Tops. No, yeah. It's all corporate there now. Even, even though they were douchebag areas, at least it was their douchebag culture. That's what I say about Wrigleyville. You know what I mean? Like, right. no, that's not even there. It's nothing. It's all just like corporate. Yeah, it was, was douchebag yeah, owned, douchebag art directed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> F- Fubu. <laughs> like Fubu, but for douchebags. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Ledley, thanks for joining us. Oh, dude, thank you so much. Bringing up all the bars and eight clown stories. Good to see you. Anything you want to tell the people about? uh, Well, they got to find eighties clown on MySpace. Anything else? Yes, eighties clown has eighties clown has an Instagram now. (laughs) Okay, Uh, nice. Somebody sent me a huge folder of pictures from like two thousand four, and I was like, "All right, I'll I'll gram it all." Uh, I'll be at I'll be at the Lyric Hyperion in Silver Lake on January thirtieth. Uh, wide right in Denver on February 25th, back to Lyric Hyperion uh, February 27th, and then we'll be at the Den Theater in Chicago February no March 24th. Awesome, nice. So those are great. I have uh, lyrics great. Obviously, the Wide Right is a great bar in Denver. Yeah, that should be it's fun. A, it's a Buffalo bar in yes. Denver. That's where the Wide Right comes from. From the yep. Scott Norwood, the field goal from the Super Bowl. Yep. And uh, as I found out, I was one time I was like, I had like a, I got stuck in Denver or something like because of a snowstorm. And then, like I went to some show and then like Wide Right was having an open mic there. And I was like, yeah, it's a Buffalo bar. Which all the <laughs> anytime someone just says it's a Buffalo bar, that just means people got fucked up. <laughs> like, oh, OK. <laughs> that's it. And that's what it is. Like, they oh, that means wings. all rules are off. I could do yeah. whatever I yeah. want. Yeah. And it basically was. And it was. It was awesome. It was a snowstorm. It was a blizzard, and everyone's inside there with wings, and people just got absolutely hammered. It was great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's a fun place. Good people there. Um, all right, Leslie, thanks for joining us, and uh, see you so later, Cameron. Oh. Yeah, all right. Bye bye. All right, we are back. In the Blackout Diaries, on the Blackout Diaries, inside of the Blackout I Diaries. I liked In the Blackout Diaries, by yeah, the way. I, I wasn't going to correct you at all. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It sounded weird when I said it, but I'm like, then I've tried the other version. I'm like, no, you're right. Like we're that's stuck that's... in it, you know, yeah. like a bar you can't get out of. <laughs> that's definitely the best version. We're in it. So, <laughs> like it or not, we're, we're, it's like that's what I'm telling the listeners. You're in it right now. You're in the Blackout Diaries, so. <laughs> you might as well enjoy it. You might as well, you might as well uh, sit back and take it. Take our hands. We'll take you through this. Um, but that was a great John Ledley, the 80s clown. Yeah, I, I brought up the how he didn't like it because I recently I was in Chicago at a bar and mm-hmm. uh, at, uh, we were at Beat Kitchen, actually. And he came out there. Um, Vince Avril was doing his wrestling podcast show there or something, some kind of show. There. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, it was like in the middle of the day or something. His fans. Were it was. Like, it was an afternoon show. Yes. 
And he's like, hey, 80s clown. There's a bunch of 80s clown. Look, that's how he's always introduced them, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. from Burns. He's good friends with Mike Burns and those guys. Yeah, you know? yeah. He's from Detroit. Uh-huh. And then, like, and, what, and Ledley, like, and Ledley's always, always so quiet and, like, reserved, you know? But uh-huh. he's like, yeah, yeah, I, I really don't like being called that. I'm not really called that anymore. <laughs> he's like, oh. He's like, jeez, I didn't know that. You know, it's just, I was just, yeah, I, I never really wanted to do that character. But they, they, <laughs> he's like, they, uh, he's a, it was a drunken idea, then they wouldn't let me stop. <laughs> like, oh, all right, well, I guess I'll stop. No, I mean, I get it. I mean, it's too late now, you know, but <laughs> it just changed everything. It's hilarious. <laughs> but he does have a thousand stories, Ledley. He does. Um, I liked what, that was funny when he brought up about the eight, I forgot about that, 18 and 21 with uh, uh, the drinking laws and how they would police themselves mm-hmm. because they, did, they didn't want it to be shut down. Sure. You know, which makes it mm-hmm. funny. I, I remember um, this cop I knew. She told me a story, um, a Chicago cop story. But in Boys Town, like there were, um, there was some, it was some homicide in Boys Town. It was this guy named, named Charlie or something who uh, got killed or something. And like there was all these like these homeless. He's in right in the middle of Boys Town. He's this gay guy. And he said, and this black guy goes, what happened up there? Something, something happened to Charlie? And he's like, yeah, yeah, someone, like, this guy killed him, whatever. Like, oh, man, like, what the hell? And I guess Charlie would would uh, would hire, um, like, homeless guys to come back to his apartment. And, like, you know, they would do stuff to him or whatever. Like, he would do, like, a sexual thing. He'd pay him, he yeah. 100 bucks. So I was like, man, sure. that was my money. That was $100. We got to fist him. And they all, like, collectively got mad at the one guy who eventually robbed him and killed him or something like that. But like, oh, so, like, ah! uh, these these people found the killer. Yeah, they found the killer, yeah. so they they figured out the crime for him. Usually, you never get any information, but all these homeless people were so mad because Charlie was a free hundred dollars every week. Like, yeah, you go up, you fist at him. It was great. Yeah. He'd give you something to drink and something to eat, and you get out of there. Yeah. Who fucked that up? You know. So like, it was like this crime scene. They all got together, and I kind of I was like, you, why would you fuck up the you know the golden goose like that? But I was like, oh. oh wow. But it's just like this is a comment. I'm like, ah, oh, not Charlie. God damn it. We'll find this. Don't worry, officer. We'll find this one out for you. And they did. <laughs> I don't know why that came up, but that came up because well, it was a boy. Stuff. It was a, she, she got into more details of what they did. But anyway. Um, but what Leslie's story that is, I wonder how often that did happen with gay bars where people open it up and became gay and then they realized, well, this is kind of a lucrative. Situation. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because um, <clears throat> one of my favorite shows, American Experience, which is like a history show on PBS, um, on PBS, yes. actually did an exploration of that. Uh, so like every year, uh, like the Gay Pride Parade is usually meant to um, coincide with the anniversary of, uh, I think it's called the Stonewall Riots, which is basically New York cops cracked down yes. on this gay bar and arrested everyone just for the crime of being gay. And there was mm-hmm. protests involved and so on and so forth. But apparently a lot of these gay bars in New York were owned by the mafia. And it was like a really? really lucrative business for it. And the mafia like basically didn't care what they were doing inside there and just looked at it mm-hmm. as a business opportunity. This is uh, from an American Experience article, quote, why did the mafia own the bar? Because they actually owned the bar that the 1969 Stonewall uprising uh, from Greenwich Village happened in. Um, it was actually owned by the Genovese crime family, CJ, and they owned almost every gay bar in New York. 
So Tony Laura purchased, purchased the Stonewall Inn, then a low-earning straight bar and restaurant. Fat Tony, as he was known, renovated at a low cost and reopened it as a gay bar, controlling everything from the jukebox to cigarettes. He bribed New York six police precinct about $1,200 a month to turn a blind eye to the goings-on at the establishment. But yeah, like these, uh, according to American experience, most of the gay bars in New York mm-hmm. in the uh, 1960s were owned by the mafia, which I, I just find that hilarious with like the mafia as yeah. an open minded you know, right. organization. <laughs> like we here at the Genovese crime family, we believe the that diversity Central. is the key to our success. <laughs> right. Now, sure, we don't like the blacks or the Irish, but what a man, what an Italian man or any man does in the privacy of his own bedroom is totally mm-hmm. up to them. As long as it's a cash-only business and we can control the <laughs> cigarettes in the jukebox. <laughs> um, yeah, it does seem like a perfect forum mob bar, actually, now that you think about it. You know, cash bar and like a lot of just like, you know, a lot of anonymity sometimes, I'm sure. Yep. You know, people don't want, you know, people don't want their stuff on Main Street. Yeah, I imagine it's a perfect, uh, it's a perfect marriage if they weren't uh, absolutely completely homophobic. <laughs> and psychopathic killers. <laughs> right. <laughs> that also has its own downsides, too. Yeah. <clears throat> um, despite the police payoffs, mafia-run establishments were not exempt from state laws, it said. They were prepared They were pre- prepared for regular rates. If a bar was shut down by the cops, most owners could pick up and relocate an entire space, finding new liquor licenses under new names. That's maybe where the gay bar new names came from. They had the, the five of different... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe all these gay bar names came from the mobsters thinking they're doing hilarious gay jokes, you know. <laughs> and they had to Fat rename Tony it. Is the one they had, yeah, and they, and they Fat had to Tony's would actually be a good gay bar name. <laughs> Fat Tony's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, so did they, did the mafia own the Stonewall Inn? Where the Stonewall mob? It did. Yeah, it was owned by uh, Fat Tony himself, the head of the Genovese oh, crime wow. family. It says. Or I don't know if he was That's the head amazing. or if he was an enforcer, but. Um, yeah. I always like that, too, whenever they're talking about the mob. Have you ever noticed there's only two roles? Or there's, like, three roles. It's head of the family. I think there's one yeah. underboss. I don't even think there's a concierge, mm-hmm. conciliere in real life. And then everyone else is just enforcer. Like, that's all they say is yeah. enforcer. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's a big part of the brains of the operation for, for, their, for their unit. <laughs> um, speaking of which... Not that he's a mobster or anything, but he's a bar owner, our favorite bar owner here at, uh, on the Blackout Tires of the Galway Bay, Nolan, who uh, the Irishman, who was on the show before, mm-hmm. and if everyone, I'm sure everyone listening knows who old Noli is. Um, he used to live, now I'm not sure if Sh- is Sh- the bar Shakers is still there, but he used to I live I think it's been like, renamed. Uh, I don't think it's Shakers probably anymore. Probably has been renamed. There's a little yeah, dead I, area there. It was, it was on Halst. It was between Halstead. Oh, I'm sorry. It is still like a couple it, blocks south of Belmont. Yeah, it is. It's totally redesigned, but it is still called Shakers. Uh, um, but yeah, it's on Broadway, like just south of Belmont. Or no, I'm sorry, yeah, Clark, on, just south of Belmont. It's it's that weird intersection of Broadway, Clark, and Halstead there. And it's There's just about 19 roads little... that it's surrounded by, but it is yeah. technically on Clark. <laughs> right. I, I I do know that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little dead area there too, and it's, so it's a gay bar, but it's very like conspicuous. So it's got these weird colors. It's next to a restaurant. You don't really hard to notice, but it was. But translation, it was right across the street from where Nolan used to live. 
you know, yeah. he doesn't live there now. But he used to live there and go there all the time, and it'd be empty. And of course, he, you know, he becomes friends with anyone there, and he didn't even realize it was a gay bar. It was one of those uh-huh. things, you know. And like he'd always, and they treat him great, so he'd be, you know, drink. Drinking cheap, whatever. So it always get us try to get us to come down here. Like, what? What are you talking about? Like, go down. Just, we yeah, we didn't out. even know this bar existed. It had nothing right. to do with like homophobia or anything. Yeah, we're no, like, absolutely no, there's, not. Yeah. there's no bar at the address you're talking about because, like, as you said, it was so inconspicuous. <laughs> it's like they didn't yeah. want customers, you know? Right. Yeah, which was amazing for a gay bar. Yeah. <laughs> so we go there. The owner was, uh, um, uh, so they would do different gay theme nights, but there would be no, there would never be anyone there. You know, mm-hmm. and one night they did. One night we were, <laughs> day drinking there, drinking there all night, and they're doing like uh, a newlywed game. It was a drag queen that hosted like a newlywed game or something, you know. And like the winner got like a free bar tab or something like that. So Nolan made us play. So me and Nolan were the couple against against like uh, two other actual actual gay actual couples. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actual who lived the life, you know. They walked the walk, <laughs> if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I think we've it, it, was, it was it was very bizarre. Like they would like <laughs> now, now I th- when I think back to it, it's kind of funny. We were the only ones that really tried to play to win the game because we wanted the fucking fifty percent off the bar. You want the tab. free tab? Sure, of course, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? When they would ask you questions like like newlywed style. And then you would be in a secret location, the other people, and they would put you like in the basement, in the proofer rooms. Like that, all these like that weird place ass had rooms. so many weird levels. I remember that. that it had that <laughs> yeah. giant circular like hole that you could just fall through. You know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So then, then I think back about it. But yeah, I don't think this was about the game at all. Now that I think about it, there's putting people in these private rooms, like in basements and things like that. But anyway, um, and we wound up winning. And which uh, got, we wound up winning, like, for <laughs> corrections. And, and one couple, like, broke up over it because they couldn't believe that us. Oh, know, I, uh, uh, when fucking... you were starting this, you've never told me the story, and I could have told you you're going to win already. Because yeah. that's the thing <laughs> drinking buddies on paper have a better right. relationship than couples. Yeah, than any actual reality. Couple. You never fight. <laughs> you will only learn what each other like, yeah. <laughs> what you guys like, you know? Right. <laughs> And we're cer- and we're certainly not going to put up a fight if it's if it's wrong or something. Like you mean like yeah, you know what I mean like like how could you dare say that? Like oh you're right, maybe I did say that at one point, you know. Yeah. Uh, so we did win- we wound up winning, and like another gay couple like a real couple broke up because of it. And they were so they were so upset that uh, <laughs> that we knew more than they did. And then we got the uh, free bar tab, and then uh, and then of course they, everyone loved Nolan, including the. Uh, the drag queen host who, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'd, I'd have to have I'd have to have Nolan finish the rest of that story or or, allow, or at least get a checklist of what I'm allowed to say with them. <laughs> but they became friends with the great bar shakers. The owner passed away. Recently. Jason, he was a great dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah he unfortunately he was great, passed he was away. He was a great guy, young. Jason. Yeah, in a uh, drinking <clears throat> accident. Which, I think uh, it was. Yeah, I don't know if the cause of death was diaries. was. Was uh was ever released, but uh, it is too bad that he passed away. I do I, I like that idea too of um, I always love it. Remember like what we used to have a trivia team that we'd go to, but but I like yep. the idea when you're in a bar game that calculus, you know whether yeah. it's a couples game like you and uh, Nolan or or a trivia team mm-hmm. where you're like, I think we might win this. 
and you start changing your drinking <laughs> orders right. yeah, to yeah, reflect yeah. the fact that you're not paying full price. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. I think we got a real chance to win this. Yeah, so we and, start and doing we, top shelf. Yeah. We ordered champagne for that one trivia night at Bar Louie, I remember. We tried to do a champagne <laughs> shower. They're like, no, you're not doing that. Yeah, like, we don't have, find your, your best sparkly. <laughs> we would routinely, uh, I, I love it when you act so crazy that they change the laws the next week about mm-hmm. that or the rules you know the like rules, one right, of the yeah. bars changed it where it's like you get half off your tab or a free tab but it can't be this night <laughs> like you had yeah, to use it to on back. a different night yeah that's how they would get you you have to come back the next week and then you get then you get in that cycle like well how many times do we want to play the trivia versus uh mangina over here that was our rival <laughs> I want to go do. I'm going to go do this uh, couples thing with the drinking. It, it was pretty, if, if I it can was a win, lot of fun. I, I, me, me and Burke or uh, Joyce will go, and we're going to see if we yeah, can win as, as a couple. It's a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, it's way in the back. It's just so, it was so funny because they would still do these theme nights, and there's just nobody there. <laughs> so it's I always love that dynamic too because the host is always the host gets paid regardless, so they're so positive. No. Like, hey guys, we're gonna yeah. do. Uh, are, are you here for and the Are you here for the couples game? You're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> okay, well you can still play. <laughs> yeah, still play. We're starting in ten minutes. Just want to let you all know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I told a story a about the trivia guy. Right, I told you a story about the trivia guy the other night at the Detroit Lions game. <laughs> no, t- no, I don't think you've told me that. You want to tell me that, uh, and then we'll uh, wrap the show up. Yeah, I'll tell. Oh, right, you, I'll you, tell you, right now. Yeah. We should wrap up the show anyway. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at CJ Sullivan was taken, or on X at CJ Sullivan underscore, or follow my other show, The Bottom Line Bombs with CJ Sullivan, the Man in the Box, a podcast. It's a sports gaming podcast show. Subscribe to that. I say that because. Um, the Detroit Lions, which just won the uh, uh, their division for the first time like mm-hmm. since '92 or something, something crazy. Long like time, yeah, yeah, long, long time. Detroit Lions, congratulations to them. But uh, Vince, who I brought up earlier in the wrestling mm-hmm. story, he's a big Detroit guy, and um, they were playing on Monday night. First time I can forever since like Barry Sanders, they had a Monday night game too. You know, and, I, uh, I love uh, being a Clevelander. I love when you get your first chance on Monday night football because the city acts like it's being asked out on a date by like a really hot person they're like yeah. i want everyone to go to your home o- i want you to go to the office and turn the lights on we want we want the skyline to right. look good you know i want yeah. i want everyone on their best behavior i don't want yeah. fights in the parking lot it's you know so like hilarious. we really are trying to put our best foot forward yeah, let's show them who we are you know <laughs> that happened to jacksonville this year too and like it was a disaster like like uh, Lawrence got hurt, they lost to the Bengals, you know. But there was like the big thing, like their first yeah. ever, you know. Yeah. But Detroit had it for, like, for the first time, like since Barry Sanders, you know. And um, since they're good, and so there's this bar in Silver Lake that's a like a hipster bar, dive bar. It's right by actually where Ledley City is going to perform, Lyric Public. It's called, and it's it it, be, it became an unofficial Detroit Lions bar. I guess right. somehow. And then it became a Detroit Lions bar, and it's in, in the wake where like it only plays the Lions games. You know, it's sure other Sunday games. If they're not playing, if they're on a bye, they're not showing any football. You know, yep. it's like that kind of situation. Yeah. So Monday, so Monday night. It's, so it's normally a hipster bar. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I could tell where this is going. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. It's so Monday night, he's like, "Come on down." Now he's, he's like, oh, "Let's go watch the Lions the Monday night game." So I did. I, I joined him there, and it was packed. You know, yeah. Lions fans like wall to wall, packed sure. downstairs, upstairs. I mean, you, you can move around. It wasn't like you know, it's, it wasn't uncomfortable, but it was it was a lot of people there. 
uh, Detroit celebrities. Tim and Tim and uh, Sam were there from okay. the you know think you should yeah. leave and the Detroiters you know good guys from Second City you know like you whatever like all the whatever it was all it was packed and so I'm upstairs and next you know the guy comes up to so you're here for trivia you know you trivia he's handing out trivia game sheets I'm like what <laughs> so you do I was like oh you're going to do trivia after the game he's like no no Monday night seven o'clock every every week we're doing it good I good in between love- plays. Artists that have no idea how crazy sports yeah. fans are. Like, yeah. they, they don't know that plan is not going to work. <laughs> right. And he, yeah. And he literally had to look. No, I, I figured, you know, they're in commercials or during plays, you know, they're in between plays, maybe. I'm like, okay, this will be fun. And like, he, he, he actually thought this was going to happen, you know. He's a comic, you know. He doesn't, he doesn't know these things. Sure, no, not and at impro- all. I think, yeah. I think he was an improv guy or something. And, sure. and, and to, to explain it to him would require almost starting with explaining society, like, like having to like be like, okay, so <laughs> the Detroit Lions have not made the playoffs <laughs> in right. 35 exactly. years. Now, is that rare? <laughs> yes. That is, the NFL, so the NFL is a competitive league. Let's start with that. Okay, there's 32 franchises. Like you got. Like, yeah. <laughs> It, he was at that level too, where like he, like he understood what football was, but he didn't understand line. Like, he yeah, had, no, he not thought, at all. Oh, this is got a lot of people from a trivia this week. This is gonna be great. Like he sees that as an opportunity. <coughs> so he's doing it, and he's got the mic. I'm like, oh, this will be great. Though I'll, I'll watch what happens here, sure. you know. And it's fair, sure enough, seven o'clock Pacific, so it's middle of the game. Um, <laughs> and like he starts doing the trivia, and like during a commercial, no one's. There's a lot of noise, murmuring going on, you know. So it's mm-hmm. nothing wrong. And then something bad happened. Like Detroit was about to score, but uh, they're playing the Raiders, and it was like an interception brought all the way back for a touchdown for the Raiders. You know, like ninety yards or something, pick six. And so the whole place goes silent. You hear cursing. What the fuck? Oh, God, I just stunned. And then he's just on the mic. I swear to God, and he's here on the mic. He's, Okay, in the movie Harold and Maude, the antagonist there plays. And, and I was like, what? Shut the fuck up. And it's like, in Hunger Games, did Jennifer Lawrence's character, and he starts like going The traffic like, light was invented in what yeah. Midwest city? I mean, he fuck blew through you. every red light. Yeah, fuck he blew through you. every red light. Exactly. Yeah. Just getting blasted. It was amazing. Now, eventually, the Lions came back at once, so everyone was happy. So they're like, ah, get over here. And yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I think I'm your good luck charm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow you to the next Lions game. Like, yeah, no, it's not. This turned out fine, but uh, let's end that story. Oh man, that's hilarious. Yeah, it was great. Oh, that's great. All right. So well, Sean, ladies Sean and what do you got going on before we leave? What do you live show? Uh, remember, check out the live show every Friday at the Lincoln Lodge, 10 yep. p.m. You can also see me. This episode will air before that. I will be uh, in New York. Um, two Wednesdays from now at Comedians You Should Know, uh, performing with some of What's our good friends out there. Uh, January 3rd, uh, that is. Uh, Wednesday, January 3rd, I will be in New York. And then the week after that, Wednesday, January 10th, I will be in Grand Ra- The Blackout Tires will be in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the Midtown, right in downtown Grand Rapids. Nice. All right. Sounds good. And without that, with all that, give us a five-star review. Tell 50,000 of your friends, and that's it. We'll see you next week on Blackout Tires. Later. All right. One more slate.